Wellspring podcast is presented by Wellspring of Life Church, a community of faith, hope, and purpose. Mark and Nikki Quinn came to us, I don't know how many years ago, a little over two, but they have been such a blessing and a gift to our church, and we love them so much, and so I've asked Mark if he would come, I've asked Nikki too, to come and share with you guys their story, their God story, so that you can just be encouraged by what God has done in their life and what he's continuing to do. Good morning, everyone. So um, when I was asked to come share with you today, um, I wanted to first think about how God has impacted my life and when that impact actually started. And you'll see as I start to demonstrate the story here that it wasn't for a while in my life. Uh, It wasn't until I was 39 years old that I came to know the Lord as my Savior. Uh, But how it all started is I was born in Denver, and uh, my family was strict Irish Catholic. And uh, my dad was born in England as they were coming from Ireland to America. And so I'm the first-born American in my family line. So I don't know how many of you know I, <laughs> New York Irish Catholics, but they are very strict, and uh, they, they love the Catholic Church. And so when you are a Catholic and you're raised Catholic your whole life, you don't know anything except Catholicism. And until I was a senior in high school, I didn't even know there were really other religions. You know, and I heard people talking about Baptists and Methodists and Buddhists and all these other ists, and I didn't even know what they were. <laughs> um, but you learn in, are, are there any other recovered Catholics in here? Yeah, we got a couple more, a couple, yeah. So you learn in Catholic school, and I went to Catholic school my whole life all the way through high school. You learn all about Catholicism, which is all the rules of the Catholic Church, and why it's important to genuflect, and why you got to learn the stations of the cross and why you got to do all this stuff and so I was baptized as an infant Um, I was confirmed at seven I was an altar boy from fifth grade to eighth grade I was even chief altar boy in eighth grade so I got to get out of school and go do weddings and stuff so that was pretty cool but it was all about Catholicism and nowhere through my Catholic upbringing all the way through high school did I ever hear any words of salvation about Jesus heard a lot about God and we learned about the Trinity, but we never heard about Jesus. And never, at least when I was going through that stuff, uh, did we hear anything about the Holy Spirit. It was just God, 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 God. So I had a really strong God imprint in my brain and in my heart, but I never heard about Jesus. And I had no idea that he could save us. So my beginnings was all Catholic. And my lovely bride here had a whole different experience. So, I grew up LDS or Mormon. Um, my, I've read family testimonies back that they heard Joseph Smith speaking. So it goes back a lot of generations. I think I was about 14 when our family moved, and thank goodness we did because we moved from Boulder. And I grew up Mormon in Boulder, Colorado. <laughs> so, <laughs> But anyhow, we moved from Boulder to Arvada, and... Um, through a series of events and whatnot, my parents stopped going to church just at the time where they kind of really start to indoctrinate and whatnot. So, and I didn't know about any other religions either. I know 
my boyfriend in high school was Catholic, and so I went to church with him a few times, and I thought it was a cult, and I was coming out of a cult. <laughs> but the whole, the stand-up, you know, the recitations that you are all saying together and whatnot, I'd never been exposed to that and stuff. So when Mark and I met and then we're going to get married, um, neither one of us were involved in any church at that point in our lives. And I worked with a gal named Janet. And we were planning our wedding and whatnot. And Janet was involved in a Christian church. And she talked about her church a lot and stuff. And so we were looking for a pastor to marry us. And I asked her if her pastor might be interested. And she said, she says, why do you care? Like, why don't you just go to the justice of the peace? And I remember that just kind of resonated with me. I was like, no, that didn't seem right, you know. <laughs> so anyway, her pastor agreed to marry us. And um, Mark and I were talking last night about how he sat down and he did some counseling with us, but he never mentioned the gospel. And I don't know why that was, but anyhow, we were married for about six years and we moved to Dove Creek, Colorado, and we thought, we're in this small town. People aren't going to accept us if we're not going to a church. So we thought we better find one. <laughs> and so we tried a few different churches. That little town had eight different churches down there at the time. And um, so we ended up, we landed at the Methodist Church. And so we hung out there for a while, and we only lived there for about 14 months, but we got involved in the church, and People were very um, open to us, and we started hearing about the Bible. Still didn't hear a gospel message, though. No, we didn't. Until we moved to Eagle. I got a job at Vail, and so the closest place you can actually afford a home if you work in Vail is Eagle. <laughs> so we moved to Eagle, and because we have been going to a Methodist church that we thought was okay, we found another Methodist church in Eagle, and that turned out to be a great place for us. That's where a combination of things happened. At the same time we moved to Eagle, my brother was in the Army, and he was stationed at Fort Polk, Louisiana. And any of you who know, that's apparently the armpit of Army service. And um, <laughs> he started going to a fundamental Baptist church. And boy, did he hear about the Lord. <laughs> and so he basically got called by Jesus and went through their training program and became a Baptist uh, minister. And so as soon as he started hearing about Jesus and needing to be saved and all that, he called me and we started talking about it. At the same time he and I were talking, she was involved in a women's Bible study. And so she started hearing about it. And so what was happening at our church, uh, just the preaching every Sunday about Jesus and being saved and all that, plus what my brother was talking about and what she was learning in the Bible study, God just kind of blended them all together. And so between my brother and then me and then her, we were all three saved at really close to the same time in our life. So that's when it all happened, and that's kind of when the switch was flipped. And so from then on, it's kind of been a search for more Jesus and how he was going to impact our life and what we were going to do for him and with him. The obvious things are it allowed us as new Christians to raise our family, raise our children, our three children in a Christian home, which neither one of us had when we grew up. So that was an amazing thing. And so all the churches we've been through, we've 
ended up in Colorado Springs for about 20 years, and those are the years where we raised our children. And there's some great churches in Colorado Springs. And so we were involved with those guys, and um, it was a blessing all the way around. I was allowed to go on some mission trips with our church, one of our churches in Colorado Springs. I got to go to South Africa two and a half times. <laughs> that was a major blessing to me. I was told that we were a blessing to them. And when I look back on it, God has done so many things in my life that I didn't realize at the time were actually blessings from the Lord. But as I look back on them, I realized they definitely were like meeting her. When I met her, I thought it was love at first sight, which it was, but it was because the Holy Spirit made it happen. And so that was a pretty cool thing. And this coming May, we were going to be married for 33 years. When we first moved to Eagle, I met a neighbor across the street, and she invited me to her Bible study. And I, my first thought in my head was, why would I want to do that? And... Um, he was working crazy hours. We had um, two little kiddos, kiddos at that time. And subsequently, a few months later, that gal sold her house. But the new gal that bought the house was also a Christian, and so she had plugged that gal in with her, with, her, with that same Bible study group. Well, that gal I really connected with and whatnot. So I was so lonely. God had put me in this lonely place with we didn't know anybody. We moved there in November, start a ski season. People don't come out of their house. They work so hard and whatnot, so it was just hard to meet people and whatnot. So anyway, when that gal, Linda, invited me to the same Bible study several months later, I said, sure. <laughs> and they were studying the book of John, and um, which is a perfect book, I realized later. <laughs> so, and Mark and I would get together, and I would talk about what I was learning, and he would talk about what Barry was learning, and then the pastor at the time um, at that Methodist church I mean, he talked about salvation a lot, and so it just was amazing to see how God put everything together for that time in our life. And we both came to know the Lord about a week apart, and um, that was a real blessing because I know that that doesn't always happen for couples. One more thing. I literally feel like God just plucked me out of my Mormonism, and he just said, yep, you're over here now. There was a few things that I wanted to share that God did in my life that, like I said, I didn't realize were happening at the time. When I was in high school, I was a senior in high school, uh, I wanted to be a Denver police officer, worse than anything in the world. And I had wanted that for probably five years. And I had a great friend a block away. He wanted to be a police officer. One of my cousins wanted to be an FBI agent. A lot of my dad's brothers were New York City police officers, FBI agents, DEA agents, all that stuff. So I felt like it was kind of in my blood. And I really wanted to be a Denver police officer. At the time, they had a Denver Police Explorer program. I believe they still do, but I was involved in that. And that was a really cool thing. And I got to go out in the street and do stuff with the cops in my precinct and all sorts of things. So that was set in my mind. That was my goal, and nothing was going to stop me from it except God. <laughs> and so uh, my senior year, uh, I was supposed to be a starting linebacker for our high school football team, and we were doing two-a-day practices before the football season, and I ended up tearing my hamstring during football practice, and that's a pretty devastating injury. So I'm laying on the ground. The coach had already come and wrapped an ice pack around my thigh and put my foot up on my helmet, and he said, sorry, man, you're out for the season. And it just 
hit, I was devastated. It was like the worst possible thing that you could say to a high school senior. So I'm laying there going, what in the heck am I going to do? And at the time, I didn't realize it, but it was God who hit me with a lightning bolt that would change my life path. And uh, this voice says, you're going to be the athletic trainer for this team. I didn't even know what an athletic trainer was. But it, it stuck, and I went, oh, okay. And so as soon as I could walk, which was about two weeks later, I went and found out everything I could find about athletic trainers. And back then, we didn't have an internet. <laughs> so I had to actually go to a library and look up in books what a trainer was and what he did. And I found a, a weekend training program where I could go get certified to tape ankles and all that stuff. And I just jumped in, and I loved it, and I absorbed that stuff like crazy. And within a month before football season started, I was a trainer. And so I started taking care of the athletes' injuries. And then I wasn't just a football trainer. I was for baseball and basketball and my favorite, the cheerleaders. Um, <laughs> a lot of our teams finished first place that year in our league. And we actually won what was called the Triple Crown, which our high school had never won before. And the coaches were attributing it to me. I think it was actually God. But they attributed it to me for helping the athletes get better quicker and keeping them in better shape and all that kind of stuff. So I won the uh, Athletic Trainer Award for the first time in the, ever the history of that school. But the, the key to that story is God changed my trajectory. And he knew he had to hit me in the head with a two-by-four to get me off of the Denver police thing. And so he whacks me with this two-by-four. I start going down the medical pathway. And from then on, I've gone as far as you can go in the medical world. So that was something that God did that I didn't realize at the time. He's also saved me several times from, I shared one story earlier a couple of years ago about how God cured me from something called pericarditis. And that was something that I had suffered with for 20 years. <laughs> and about once a month, maybe once every two months, I'd get hit with that. And it knocked me out for like four weeks before it would go away and it'd get better. And then it would come back again and again and again. And for 20 years, I was going through this. And one time, uh, one of the docs I was working with said, you just need to go do a James 5 thing. And so James 5 is where it talks about if you're sick, go to the elders of your church, and they will anoint you and pray for you. And that's what we did. And tell them what happened. We were pretty new Christians at the time down in Colorado Springs. And um, when he was down with that, it was pretty... It was hard to work. It was hard to be a part of a relationship or a parent or anything like that and stuff. So he was just in a lot of pain. Anyhow, we had gone to church, planned to talk to the elders, and we did that. And they were praying over us, and, you know, we were both sitting there bawling and whatnot. But, and I, we walked out of the little prayer chapel, and um, he just was having a hard time walking, and Anyway, and he just said, he said it just felt like his heart was just going to beat out of his chest while they were praying for him. And um, so anyway, we get home. I'm doing lunch with the kids, and he goes upstairs. I feel like fig figure he's just going to go lay down. He comes down, and he's in his work clothes. And I'm like, like, go out in the garage, work clothes. And um, I said, what are you doing? He says, I'm going to go clean out the garage. <laughs> I said, what are, you, are, are you okay? And he's like, yeah, it's gone. And it has not come back. So that was one of the miracles that God's done in my life. 
He also pulled off another miracle when I had had back surgery, which was a pretty simple, easy, single-level discectomy, no big deal. However, I got a post-op infection that got into my spine and then into my brain. And a spinal abscess is usually fatal. Encephalitis is usually fatal. And I had both of them at the same time. And God chose to pull me through that. And the night they flew me to Denver in the helicopter and took me into surgery to open me up and clean out the infection and stuff, stuck me in ICU afterwards. They told Nikki that they didn't think I was going to survive that night. That was a long year. Um, that was 2005. Yeah, that was that was tough. He was um, that whole, almost that whole year was recovery and whatnot. So, and it was amazing to me how. God just, again, put all these different people in our life. My mom, still a Mormon, but lived in Aurora at the time. She couldn't reach me spiritually. But she was there every morning making my breakfast, packing me a lunch, (laughs) making sure that I had what I needed to go to the hospital and be with him. We had other friends who just came and stood by us financially. I swear food lasted longer. (laughs) Like, you'd think the pantry was empty, and then there just would be food there. It was amazing. His work really supported us, and then we just had some really good friends that stood by us spiritually during that time that got us um, through that. And we had a few of his guy friends that he just needed to walk, and um, he was walking with a walker. And so he'd go walk around the neighborhood, and... Three different guy friends would come every day at 5, 5.30 or whatever and go take Mark for a walk. <laughs> and they did that for months. So, and that really helped us out too. Because so, at that point, I just, I couldn't do it. I, we had three kiddos and it was a really rough time. But God got us through it. Uh, one thing, when I was, I was really sick for a long time and it probably took about three months for my brain to actually start working again. And... I was off work for six months. I had no income, zero income, because the place I was working, they didn't have, like, PTO or earned illness bank or any of that stuff. If you don't work, you don't get paid. So there was no income for six months. And we had a house payment, and we had car payments, and we had kids and food and diapers and all sorts of stuff. So it was literally only by the grace of God that we survived all that financially. And it got down to our last month of me not being able to work, we didn't know how we were going to make our mortgage payment that month. Um, People had helped here and there with different things, and um, we didn't know where it was coming from. And it got to be the last day before it was time for our first mortgage payment in our life to be late. I go out to the mailbox, and there's an envelope out there with the exact amount of our mortgage payment (laughs) in it so we could make it. So there was just stuff like that that God was doing all throughout this whole thing. Made us realize it was God doing this whole thing. It still chokes me up. And then another thing uh, where he kind of pulled me out was um, I was diagnosed with lymphoma uh, several years ago. And it started all of a sudden with a really super bad belly ache. Had no preceding symptoms. 
and this pain was super bad, and I, I tried to go to work the next day, and it was, it was hurting so bad I couldn't even hardly walk. And um, I went into the clinic where one of the other docs says, what the heck is wrong with you? And I said, I don't know, but it really hurts. <laughs> so we got a CT scan and uh, showed a big, small bowel obstruction, and those aren't very good. So got admitted to the hospital, and the surgeon, you know, the favorite thing in the world, if you haven't had one, I would recommend trying to get one, is a nasogastric tube. <laughs> so anyway, they put down an NG tube, and they said, if you're not better by morning, we're going to have to operate on you. And I was worse by morning. So went into surgery and expected them to fix this small bowel obstruction. And the reason the bowel obstructed was from a tumor. And so uh, the surgeon recognized as soon as he saw it that it was cancer. And he cut out about a foot of my small bowel and sewed me up. And so I woke up with that news. And uh, so when you get hit with the cancer diagnosis, you don't know where it's going, you know. So I just started praying a lot, and we prayed a lot. And um, our pastor from church came and prayed with us, and a bunch of people and family and friends and everybody were praying for us. And it turned out to be a type of lymphoma that can kill you or since it was early in the diagnosis, um, I was able to go through a month of daily radiation and two years of chemo, and now I've been in remission from this thing for like six years. Praise the Lord for that, too. So there's a lot of things like that that God's done in our life um, that just obviously him, and there's no other way it could happen. So I just want to share all that stuff with you guys so that if you ever had any doubt about God or saving grace or saving your life <laughs> um, or any of that stuff, it's real. Just finding the Lord in my life was obviously, I think, the best thing that ever happened to me. My brother has uh, gone on to the great ministry in heaven with God, so I look forward to seeing him there someday. I am just blessed to know you guys. Uh, to know Dave and Shorty and all these guys. Um, this has been a great church for us. It's a lot different than we knew in Colorado Springs. I mean, we were in one of those 5,000-plus churches that kept growing, and you know, it was like the second biggest church in the city and all that stuff, and, you know, like rock band music kind of stuff and whatever, but this is our home. This is our spiritual home, and Jesus speaks to us every day that we're here. So I just wanted to share all that with you. So were you guys encouraged by that? They are a testimony to a savior, to a healer, to a provider, to a comforter. And they're a testimony to God's faithfulness throughout their whole life, that they've known him. And you know what? You all have a story to share. God is writing your story. Some of us may pick up the pen and take it out of his hand and try to write our own story, and then it turns into a mess, right? But if we let him have the pen, and if we let him write our story, our story is just amazing as their story. And I just want to thank you guys for encouraging us and blessing us. And we are just so grateful for what God has done in your life and the fact that he has brought you here. And just one more thing that I want to add to you to what they've shared is that many of you guys know that our camper was stolen. So a couple of days ago, our insurance adjuster called us because it's been missing for 14 days. 
we have to give them an itemized list with receipts of the items that were in the trailer as, and if we don't have receipts, we have to price match whatever was in there to determine what they're gonna pay to cover the cost. And you guys know we really enjoyed our little camper. We loved going camping. And there were some really costly items in that camper. They were cool. And we loved them. We were always excited when we could find a new camping item. But even though those had maybe a lot of monetary value, there was one thing in that camper that had more value. In fact, you couldn't even place a, a price tag on it. And it was a metal green camping box that Dave and I bought over 40 years ago. And it represented <laughs> to me all the camping trips that Dave and I sure we got married. That box went with us everywhere. Now, if you saw it, you would place no value on it. It would mean probably nothing to you. And you'd probably think, why do you even care about that green box when you had a brand new camp chef in there or whatever? But, but it meant so much to me because of the memories that were were attached to it. And when Dave told me that the adjuster had called and said, tomorrow, they will deem it a total loss. Those words just did something to me. It made me so sad. But I went from something material, though, to something much more important. And I thought, you know what, God, I am so glad you have never deemed me a total loss. I'm so glad for that, nor has he deemed you a total loss, nor has he deemed anyone that you might think or I might think is a total loss. He's never done that. And I'm pretty sure that the insurance company isn't going to be able to fully redeem what's been lost. They're not going to be able to cover the financial value of the camper or those items that were in it. Why? Because they have limitations, and there's only so much that they're able to do. And ultimately, our camper has no value to them. It's not theirs. They didn't choose it. We did. And pre-Jesus, you guys, and for you too, pre-Jesus, I didn't feel that I had much value or worth in the environment that I grew up in. But it wasn't until I gave my life to Jesus Christ and understood that he chose me, that he fully redeemed me, that he paid a price for me and he counted me worthy. And just like Mark said, he changed the trajectory of my whole life forever. And I'm really glad that Jesus doesn't work like insurance companies. Aren't you? <laughs> where you have to pay for a policy with a deductible, but he provides an assurance plan, right? And it's paid in full, and all you and I have to do is take advantage of it. And because he created each one of you, and he chose you and died to redeem you, he will never deem you a total loss. And you know what? He'll never give up on you. 
Even if you fail and make mistakes and fall short, he'll never give up on you. And he'll never give up on the people that we give up on. That's just the kind of God that he is. He pursues us because he wants us. He chooses us. And, and, and you can tell in Mark and Nikki's story how God pursued them until he found them. And he's done, and he'll do that for you. If you don't know him this morning, he'll keep pursuing you until you come to know him as your Lord and Savior. And I want to ask you, when was the last time that maybe you really thought about the price that Jesus paid to redeem you and humbly thank him for the life that he's given you from what he has saved you from and the life that he's taking you in and he wants to continue to write your story. When was the last time you really thought about that? I want you to think about the fact that Jesus pursued you and found you. And you know what? He'll never let you go. It's us who walk away. It's us who wander and seek other things. But Jesus will never leave us or forsake us. He loves us, and he proved it by paying the price. And you know what he said to you when he did that? That you have value. And you are worth me dying for. Forgiveness 
Jesus Christ. Oh, come to the altar. The Father's arms are open wide. Forgiveness was bought with the precious blood of Jesus Christ. And oh, what a Savior! Oh, isn't He wonderful? Oh, sing for listening to this message by Wellspring of Life Church in Western Colorado. If you'd like to learn more about our community, please visit wellspringoflifechurch.com. So I-